0: I grew up in this town called La Mirada, California. It's on the border of LA County and Orange County. It's part of this massive Southern California suburban sprawl. And I tell you, nothing ever happened in La Mirada, California. (laughs) Nonetheless, every summer, we got families and friends from all over the world, they would come and visit us in our cramped little house. Why? Because La Mirada, California, is a 20-minute drive from Anaheim, California, the home of Disneyland. Yeah. Now, okay, I know Disney's been in the news. Okay, I'm, I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about my childhood memory, okay? So our house became a vacation destination for families and friends. They come, they say hi to us, and they go to Disneyland, which meant I became kind of an unofficial tour guide for Disneyland. They would pay for my ticket, and I would show them how to see Disneyland. Do this ride, don't do this ride. I got the whole thing wired. So on a typical year, I would visit Disneyland like five or six times. Okay? Now, the first thing I notice when people walk into Disneyland is that they go, wow, this place is really clean. The cleanliness of the Disney theme parks are legendary. How? How do they get so clean? Well, legend has it that Walt Disney himself, he actually would study this. He would, he would follow a Disney guest who have, you know, who have trash in their hands, and he would check how long, how far would they walk before they just threw it on the ground. And the distance he came up with is 30 feet, okay? People would walk 30 feet before they start littering. And so the trash cans at Disney theme parks are spaced 30 feet apart. You are never more than a 30-feet walk from a trash can, okay? That's number one. Now, number two, there is an extensive underground tunnel system in Disney World in Florida. There's a smaller one in Disneyland. Now, one of the functions that you see, you know, that the cast members, the Disney workers, they get to travel, they can disappear from one side of the park and show up in another side of the park. Okay? But you notice these pipes, okay? The trash that gets collected, they get deposited and they get sucked. Below ground into these pipes, and they get sucked and whisked away and dumped out, and the guests never see it. You don't see the trash. Number three. When all the guests go home, Disneyland does not shut down. There is a third shift. You see, during the day, uh, you know the employees they, they they notice, oh, there's a broken light bulb, there's a chipped paint or something like that, and uh, they make a catalog of it. They take a note of it, and then the third shift comes. And they fix everything, and they scrub everything. They do this every day. Okay. Now, there's so many, many other ways in which Disneyland, uh, things they do to keep clean. I, and by the way, this is the one for free here. They don't sell chewing gum in Disney theme parks. <laughs> mm, yeah. But the question is this. Why are they so focused on being clean? The answer Disneyland is the Magic Kingdom. The entire theme park is focused on a mission. The mission is to transport you into another realm so that everybody who walks in, they go, wow, this place is different. This place is unlike any other place in the world. That's its function. Disney exists to be different. Understanding Disneyland is going to help us understand this little book in the Bible called Micah. Now, before I keep going, let me introduce myself. My name is Charles. I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team. Greeting those of you who are here and those of you joining us online in Gospel Fusion, in Tradition, downtown Fitchburg. Big shout out to those of you who are streaming online and those of you listening to our podcast. To the Chinese speakers, Dishon Jimei Pingan, to the Spanish speakers, Es un gusto tenerlos aquí con nosotros. And to everyone, welcome to Black Hawk Church. We're glad you have chosen to spend your time worshiping with us this morning. Now, last week, Pastor Chris started this new sermon series called Micah. And uh, I don't remember this last week. He called Micah a flyover book. I'm not sure Micah would be very happy about that. <laughs> of course, it is part of a collection called the Minor Prophets. Oh, you're a minor prophet. That doesn't sound real good either. So let me just clarify. Uh, m- minor prophets are not unimportant, okay? They're just called minor because they, they, their books are not as long. They don't, they don't have as much to say as those Other prophets were called the major prophets. They, like, really write really, really long books. Okay, so Micah's part of the minor prophets. Now, Micah was a prophet in the 8th century B.C. That's 800 years before the time of Jesus. A prophet is someone who, okay, clarify here. A prophet doesn't predict the future, right? A prophet is God's spokesperson. So about 800 years before Jesus, God sent Micah to speak to ancient Israel, to speak to his people, to tell them, that God is angry. Okay, that's from last week. So today, we're going to take a look at a couple passages that gets into why God is angry with his people, all right? So if you have your Bible with you, turn to Micah chapter 2, verse 1. Micah chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, it reads like this. Woe to those who plant iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. At morning's light, they carry it out because it is in their power to do it. They covet fields and seize them, and houses and take them. They defrauded people of their homes. They robbed them of their inheritance. Therefore, Yahweh says, when you see the word LORD in all caps, that marks God's personal name, Yahweh. Therefore, Yahweh says, I am planning disaster against this people from which you cannot save yourselves. You will no longer walk proudly, for it will be a time of calamity. In that day, people will ridicule you. They will taunt you with this mournful song. Oh, we are utterly ruined. My people's possession is divided up. He takes it from me. He assigns our fields to traitors. Therefore, you will have no one in the assembly of Yahweh to divide the land by lot. All right, let's just figure out what's going on here. All right. Micah says this. Micah says, God is angry with his people so angry that he is going to destroy his people, okay? He's going to destroy his people. Why? That's the question. Let's get to verse 1, okay? Now, what is verse 1 about, you notice? It's, I think if you you look at this, you notice, hey, it's about houses and, 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 and real estate, right? It's about homes. It's about property. Somebody is trying to push other people out of their land and take their land from them. Okay, now you're like, okay, now, now, now why is this a big deal? Well, see, here's the thing. In the ancient world, the land is a big deal. Not, not today, not so for us. Like today, I know some of us, you know, we would like to, we're renting and we like to buy property, but the property market has gone crazy. It's really hard to do it. But my point is this. In our today's economy, you don't have to own property to get by. And that's because most of our jobs are not connected to owning property. Not so in the ancient world. In the ancient world, land is everything. The land is your source of food, land is your clothing, it is a source of building material. It, everything comes from land, and if you don't have land, well, you're on your way to slavery. Now, I know in America, we associate slavery with race. That's not how it was in the ancient world. In the ancient world, slavery is economic-based. It's based on wealth. If you don't have land, you're going to try to scrape by for a bit, try to make it as best you can, but eventually, you're going to have to give it up. You're going to have to sell yourself into slavery. You have to join another household so you can be taken care of. So in the ancient world, if you accumulate land, you become rich. If you lose land, you become poor. Land is everything. So it's not surprising, then, that people in the ancient world, would then start to scheme. They would, try to get, they would say, hey, how do I get more land? You, know, they, you notice, all right, this is verse 1. Right, they're, they're lying on their beds, going like this. Hmm, where can I get my land? Whose land should I take? You have to do this, okay? Your <laughs> evil mastermind, you do this. Or, or the other thing is you pet a cat. <laughs> Option 2, okay? It's in the manual. You have to do it. Okay, so, now notice something important, okay? You don't rob land through violence. You don't just you know, point a gun at somebody and says, hey, give me your land or else. It doesn't work that way. No. Taking land always involves using power, using societal power. right? Notice right here that the text makes it clear. It says it is in their power to do it. These people have the power. So, so think of a, a typical plot of a Western movie. You know you have some land prospector he's 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 he's, he's going to develop the land and he's the railroad coming so he's pushing everybody else off the land right and how does this person do it well you use societal power you get a tax assessor to increase taxation or you get a bank to foreclose on the loan or you use a sheriff you use power of the society to take land away from people that's what we're talking about people who already have land they want more and they drive other people out okay? and those people They lose their land, and they get sold into slavery. Now, I know Micah is trying to make this look like this is something really horrible, something that's, you know, unimaginably horrid and evil, like some kind of crime against humanity. But it's not, right? I mean, this is wrong, but it's not like crazy evil. I mean, this is normal. This happens in every society in history ever. People take advantage of other people to benefit themselves. That's normal behavior, okay? In fact, I mean, I'm not trying to justify this. I'm just saying, in a a, a broken world where land is limited, people are going to fight for land. And if you don't do it, other people will gather land, and they will push you off. It's like a game of Monopoly, right? If you don't develop your property and drive other players out into bankruptcy, somebody will do it to you, okay? So this is not not crazy stuff. This is not unusual. This is your daily, average, banal evil. It's broken, but it's normal. So why is God so mad? We see the same thing again in chapter 6, okay? God's mad about something here in chapter 6. Check it out, okay? He says, Am I still to forget your ill-gotten treasures, your, you wicked house? He calls them a wicked house. And short, the, the short eifa, which is accursed, shall I acquit someone with dishonest scales with a bag of false weights? Your, you, your rich people are violent, your inhabitants are liars, and their tongues speak deceitfully. Now, what's going on here? Well, first of all, people are getting rich, okay, unjustly. How are they getting rich? Well, they have something called a short eifa, and dishonest... Scales and false weights. Now, an AFA is actually a container. It's a dry measure. It measures about five gallon. So a short AFA is an AFA that's shorter, contains less than what a true AFA should be, all right? So a short AFA combined with dishonest scales and false weights, you know what I'm talking about. Now, these are the tools of the marketplace. This is about buying and selling, okay? This is about cheating people by using inaccurate measurements. So once again, we're talking about people with power abusing the system, abusing the power to take advantage of other people. Wrong, yes. Broken, yes. Unusual? (laughs) Right? Unethical business practices. That's every country ever, every society ever. It's always been there. And why is God so angry? If God's going to destroy Israel for this, shouldn't he destroy every nation ever? The answer is no, because God is only mad at Israel. Because Israel is supposed to be Disneyland let me clarify. Last week, Pastor Chris explained this concept called a covenant. Um, and a covenant, he said, is, is a relationship. It's, it's a committed, formal relationship where there is mutual love, affection, friendship, loyalty. And he said marriage is a covenant, right? Marriage is a serious thing. It's not loosey-goosey. When you get married, it's a formal, committed thing where there is mutual expectation that gets created. Well, ancient Israel is in a covenant relationship with God. Right? And, he, and, and Pastor Chris put up this passage last week, and I want to do it again because it's an important passage. It's from Exodus chapter 19. Right? This is where God just brought his people out of Israel, I mean, out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt, and he's going to invite them into covenant with him. Right? And this is, this is a very important passage. He says, now if you, this is God talking now, if you, Israel, obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession." Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So here God invites the Israelites into a covenant, right? Into a covenant. And what is this covenant? This is a covenant. It is a relationship with a mission. Here's the relationship. Out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession, Out of all the nations, you will be different. You're going to know me in a way that nobody else does. We're going to have this tight relationship. And the second thing, the covenant has a mission attached. And that mission is, you will be for me a kingdom, a priest, and a holy nation. You will be different from the world. And here's your function. You will function to the world as a priest. Now, what does a priest do? A priest is somebody who teaches other, other people about God. And a priest connects other people with God. Now imagine an entire kingdom with the job of being a priest. An entire kingdom whose job it is to show the world who God is. And to teach people and connect people with God. Whoa. That's the mission. That's the mission. So, Israel is Disneyland. Israel is God's chosen people to accomplish this mission. Now, how is Israel supposed to be different? How are they supposed to accomplish this mission? Not by being super neat or super clean. Okay, there is no regulation in the book of Leviticus that says trash cans must be spaced 30 feet apart. Okay, and, and I'm making this point because I'm kind of a messy person. Um, This is what my office looks like, okay? And and, and I tell you, this is not staged. This is not staged, okay? If, If you were ever to, like, back in high school, if you ever came to my bedroom, you would not be able to see the carpet. So, when I was growing up, people often say to me, Charles, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. And I always felt judged. I always felt like, you know, because I'm messy, I'm not a good Christian. So now that I'm an Old Testament scholar, I can say this. Not only is cleanliness is next to godliness not in the Bible, it's not even true. <laughs> I'm not saying you have to be messy. I'm saying it, having a messy desk, having a messy room does not mean you are a bad Christian, okay? <laughs> so... <laughs> and, and yes, I know I have issues. <laughs> but here, back to my point which is this, Israel is meant to be Disneyland, all right? But the way it's being different, it's not by being super focused on being clean. No, it's by being super focused on justice. Yes, last week, Pastor Chris introduced us to this word, this Hebrew word, mishpat. Say after me, mishpat. Mishpat. Say it again, mishpat. mishpat. Okay, this is an important word. This is the Hebrew word for justice. And remember last week? I'm just I'm just copying his talk full on here. Okay. He said justice is this. Justice is about making things go where they're supposed to go. Right? So is this Mishpat? Yes. Is this Mishpat? No, because, okay, that's going to get really rickety, very dangerous very soon, right? No, that's not mishpat. No, getting things so that everything is in its right place. This is actually harder than it looks to do. I'm a little nervous right now. Doing this talk and trying to stack this. Wow, okay. Okay. Doing mishpat with a toy, okay, we can handle. Doing mishpat with a society where everything is in the right place, everything is smooth, everything is connected, everything works, that's hard. That is complicated. It takes time. It is challenging. It takes people coming together to work hard and think hard and be creative to create mishpat in the society. So the question here is this. How do you know a society is doing mishpat? In the ancient world, how do you know a society is doing mishpat? Well, the Bible says that's easy. The answer is this. You look at the widows, you look at the orphans, and you look at the foreigners. Why them? They don't have land. They're powerless. Why them? Because the people with power can fend for themselves, whereas the powerless, the needy, the poor, they are like the canaries in a coal mine. For them to thrive, the entire society has to come together and do mishpat a society that allows the poor and the needy to thrive, that not just, it helps them to become prosperous again, that is a society that is doing mishpat. And God says, that's what I want from my covenant people. Verse 4, Deuteronomy chapter 15. However, there need be no poor people among you. For in the land Yahweh your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you if only you fully obey Yahweh your God and are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving you today. All right, are you guys seeing this properly? God says, if you follow my command fully, there will be no poor people in your country. Did you get that? Now, 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 God says, I know you're not going to follow my rules properly. Okay? I know it's going to happen. So there's going to be some poor people in the land. But here is the point. God creates Israel as a kingdom with the goal of eradicating, policy, eradicating poverty as an explicit national policy. Okay? Did you get that? People go to Disneyland, they go, they're supposed to go, oh, wow, how clean is everything? Look at that. People visiting ancient Israel, they're supposed to go, oh, wow, you have no poor people here. Look at this map. The The birthplaces of three ancient civilizations. Where is Israel? Smack dab in the middle. These are the trade routes, folks. These are the trade routes. Diplomats come through caravans merchants migrants come through they walk through israel and they go wait 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 you don't have any poverty here you don't have any poor people here what, what's going on here oh you worship yahweh wow i'm gonna worship yahweh and i'm gonna tell everybody to worship yahweh that's the mission so how is israel supposed to eradicate poverty and God gives them four initiatives. Number one, individual generosity. Deuteronomy 15. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land that the Yahweh your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need individual generosity. People in Israel are called to be generous, to be open-handed. Why? Because when you're generous, you live out God's mission. You accomplish God's mission. So give to those who are poor in your land. Now, God knows that individual generosity is not going to be enough. And so here's initiative number two. He gives you rules for how to run your farms. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. I mean, I don't know how many people are farmers here. I've never done the day of farming in my life. But apparently, when you harvest, you leave things behind. You don't get everything. And so harvesters would go back and do it again. And, and, and God says, don't. Okay? Leave the food there. Leviticus. When, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am Yahweh your God. And here it's talking about when you harvest, don't harvest the whole field. Leave the edges unharvested. Both passages are talking about the same thing, which is leave food on the branches. Leave food behind. Don't harvest the whole thing. Why? Those without land, those who are powerless, they can take that food and they can sustain themselves. Why? Because I am Yahweh your God. Okay? We are in a covenant relationship with me. The way you run your farm either undermines or accomplishes my mission. Initiative number three. Debt cancellation. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. Okay. That's, that's, okay. So here, here's basic econ 101, right? You get in trouble. right? You, you make a mistake or there's unfortunate circumstances, so you fall into debt. And then what happens? The debt forces you to sell your land. Now you have no land. You have no way to generate wealth. So what happens? You sell yourself into slavery. And then you have kids, and their kids are in slavery. And before you know it, you have an entire social underclass. And God says, I don't want a permanent social underclass Israel you're not supposed to have a entire permanent social underclass how do you prevent that cancel debt every seven years all debts are wiped clean every seven years completely wiped clean now that is a crazy rule right I mean think about it let's say, let's say you, you, you're not well off you have a little bit of money And some person coming to you, and they're like in the village, and they're like, can we borrow some money from you? And you realize, wait, 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 the debt cancellation is coming in a month. I'm not lending you money. I'm just giving you money. Okay? That doesn't sound right. And I'd be very tempted to say, you know what, let's wait a month. (laughs) And then we'll talk, right? And you know what? God anticipates this. God anticipates. Look what he says. He says, be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. Oh, the seventh year, the year for canceling debts is near so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to Yahweh against you and you will be found guilty of sin. Whoa! Think about, okay, from the ancient Israelites' perspective, they're like, wait a minute. So you want me to Okay, well, I'm not loaning any money. This is just giving me. You want me to just give them the money without expecting anything in return? And God says, that is correct. But is this really fair? Was it fair when I rescued you out of slavery from Egypt? Was it fair that I put you in a land, safe and secure, a land of milk and honey? Did you do anything to deserve that? You who have received grace, offer grace. Being God's covenant people is not about fairness it's about being his wholehearted partner in accomplishing his mission to draw the broken worlds back to him now if you think debt cancellation is too radical wait till you check out initiative number four no permanent land ownership Leviticus 25 the land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine, God says. You, and you reside in my land as foreigners and strangers. Throughout the land that you hold as a possession, you must provide for the redemption of the land. Okay, now there's a lot of passages in verse 25, in chapter 25 of Leviticus. Go read on it. But here's the basic gist, okay? You don't own the land, I do, God says. It's my land. You get to live on it, you get to enjoy it, you get to make money off it, go right ahead, but it's my land. So when you buy land from somebody else, you're not doing anything of that sort. You're not actually buying land. You're buying the right to use it for a while. And then you got to give it back. You got to give it back. And Leviticus 25 says every 50 years, all the land goes back to the original owners. Okay. Now, okay, here's what's going on, right? This is an agricultural society where land is everything. And so every 50 years, th- th- this kingdom is supposed to press a reset button where land returns to all the original owners so that no Israelite okay, has, is, 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 is somehow disconnected from land. Everybody's connected to a family or a clan that has access to land. Nobody's cut out. Therefore, there will be no permanent social underclass. At the same time, there's also no permanent aristocracy. You cannot over generations of families that just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate more land and they become so powerful, so wealthy, and so influential that they pervert the system to benefit themselves. You will not have that. So no permanent social underclass and no aristocracy. That's the goal. So, be generous. Run your farms in a certain way. Social policy of canceling debt and no permanent land ownership. This is a kingdom that is built, it's custom-built, for the goal of eradicating poverty. It is custom-built to demonstrate mishpat. A kingdom like this, in the ancient world, would shine like a beacon among the darkness, the brokenness, the sin, the oppression, the inequality. People will walk in, they go, Wow, what? what did I just walk into? This place is unlike anything I've ever seen. It's anything like anything I've ever heard. It is Disneyland level different. Israel exists to be different. And Micah says, If you're not different, you don't need to exist. Therefore, Yahweh says, I am planning disaster, disaster. Against this people from which you cannot save yourselves. You will no longer walk proudly, for it will be a time of calamity. They never did it. Right? They never did it. The Israelites, they they, they didn't do this. They never pressed the reset on the button. They 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 never canceled debt. They created a mess where you have wealthy people on top and they're and they're Messing everybody up. They're driving the poor off off the land. They sold them into slavery. Now, let me just point out, this is like every nation ever. Okay? This is not some crazy evil. But remember, even though economic exploitation is built into the brokenness of our world for God's covenant people, everybody else is doing it is no excuse. If you're not different, you don't need to exist. 722 B.C., the Assyrians invaded and destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. 586 B.C., the Babylonians came and invaded and destroyed the southern kingdom of Judah. They destroyed, they burned down the city of Jerusalem. They tore down the temple. And they grabbed a whole bunch of God's people and they exiled them into Babylon. Disneyland gets plowed under because if you're not different... You don't need to exist. This just got serious. Let me let me take a step back. The Bible's not written to us before us. Micah is talking to ancient Israelites. He's not talking directly to us today. So what do we learn from this? Well, number one, ancient Israel. the covenant people of God in the Old Testament. Who is God's covenant people today? We are. We are God's covenant people today. The moment you place your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is the moment you enter into a covenant with God. And uh, you know that little cup of grape juice with a little thin wafer? That thing? Yeah. We do that. That's a covenant renewal ceremony. We do that about once a month here at Blackhawk Church. The church is God's covenant people. Now, let me clarify some things, okay? The, the covenant we have is called the New Covenant. It's different from the one Israel has. It's the one Israel has, Israel, when they fail to keep covenant, they bear the curse of the covenant. Whereas for us of the New Covenant, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to keep covenant. The power of God is in us. And then, here's the thing. When we fail to keep covenant, and we will, Jesus bears that curse, and he's borne it on the cross. His blood has borne our covenant failure. That's a difference. That's a big difference. But you know what's not different? The mission. The mission is not different. To show the world who God is and to shine like a beacon in this dark and broken world. And how do we do that? Be different. Be different. And one of the key ways that we're supposed to be different? Mishpat. James, writing in the New Testament to the church, says this Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Do you see it? Two things, right? One, be different. Be different. And second thing, do mishpat. How do we do it? Now, in a couple of weeks, Pastor Daniel is going to preach on the most famous verse in the book of Micah. It's, the, it's chapter 6, verse 8. And, and part of that talk, he is going to talk about how to do Mishpat. And so, if you want to grow in that area, you want, you want to get into specifics, okay, make sure you catch that sermon. Today, I'm going to give you one concrete step, okay? Love Madison. Every year at Black Hawk, we pick one Sunday to do Love Madison. And this, this year, it's May 22nd, it's three weeks out, okay? And on Love Madison Sundays, we don't gather in our sites, we gather. As the church in, all, in diff, all different locations around Dane County, this year it's 47 projects, 33 different organizations that we're partnering with, that we're serving. And what's going on is we're going to serve these organizations. And we're talking about nonprofits. We're talking about schools. We're talking about parks. We're talking about organizations that are focused on mishpat. We're talking about people who are, who are homeless, people who are poor. We're talking about people who, who are foreigners, people who don't have power in our society. Some people say, oh, we're not worshiping on those Sundays. No, 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 no. We're absolutely worshiping on those Sundays. We're just doing it outside the buildings. We're doing it all around Dane County. And instead of preaching and singing, we're going to worship by doing mishpat. So there's the QR code. Sign up. The, The book of Micah is... a It's a hard book. It's a challenging book to read. Pastor Chris reminded us that there is both judgment and hope in this book. And so hope is coming. We're going to have hope later on in the series. It is coming. But today we are in the section on judgment. So this is Micah's message for us today. Blackhawk. We are God's covenant people. We are in a covenant relationship with God. It is a committed relationship of mutual love, affection, friendship, loyalty, allegiance. And this covenant has a mission. We have a mission to show the world who God is and to shine like a beacon in this dark and broken world, to draw this rebellious world back to God. And we do it by being different. And one of the key ways That we are to be different. We do mishpat. We do mishpat. We are a community that does mishpat, and this has been in our DNA from that very first church in Jerusalem in the first century, all the way through the past two thousand years. The church has been known as a community with deep concern and passion for the poor, the powerless, for the foreigners. Is that still true? Is that our reputation? Is that what we're known for? Because if we're not different, we don't need to exist. Blackhawk, let us be the church that God created us to be. Let me pray for us. Father, we want to be the church that you created us to be. We want to be that church. We want to be your people. We want to be your covenant people. We want to be people who see your vision and see your character. And we want to be the, be, be the group of the people that reveals that to, to the world. Because you are an amazing God. You're a God of justice and love and passion and loyalty. And being with you is wonderful. And we want the world to know that. So help us. Give us a heart for the powerless, for the poor. For the disadvantage in our society, help us with really open our eyes to see. We want to be known as a church that does mishpat. We need your Holy Spirit to help us, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray.